Climactic, the voice of the people on climate change. Hello, Mark. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 11, a chat with permaculture cafe owner Fiona Rossiter. The show really impressed me, Rich, honestly, and it was Fiona especially that impressed me. Um, mm. We're talking about a cafe owner here, but she's doing some really radical things about sustainability in the business, things that I'd never really heard about before. But the fact that it's coming from such a practical place, she's not talking about the melting ice caps or the polar bears or or really any of the, the high-level stuff, what's going to happen in 2050. It's about what makes the most sense for her right here, right now. Totally agree, Mark, yeah. Look, listening to her speak was as much an inspiration as an interview, Mark. She bubbled over with heaps of ideas on organic living and sustainability and she'd go from one topic to the other, and then she'd say, is it all right if I talk more? And I'd say, Be my of guest. course. <laughs> and she was amazing. She really was. That's fantastic. And, of course, we're going to hear quite a bit about her favorite topic, permaculture. There were times when I just sat back, coffee in one hand, microphone in the other, and just listened and listened. Ah, it does sound great. So I know you guys want to hear more. You're I, ready. I, so I, am I. I. Like, I haven't told the listeners about the very special stone wall. Well, that, that does sound fascinating, Rich, but I'm pretty sure Fiona can tell it just as well. So let's hear it from her if All that's right. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here it is. We're here at uh, Bissy's Cafe in Orange. I wonder if you could just introduce yourself in a little more depth, Fiona, to the listeners. And also, if you wouldn't mind, just covering the ethos that drives uh, Bissy's Cafe. Thank you very much for this opportunity. So we're here at Busy's Cafe, which is a permaculture centre, and it's leading into an education centre, which I'll talk a bit more about later. And I think what's evolved from that, and a bit about myself, is that being a registered nurse, I did 18 years as a registered nurse, I saw sickness, illness and situations with people, and then also a mother of eight children, an author. I've written a couple of books about growing great families and also about a children's book, Giving Children Adventures and opportunities, helps them have a creative mind. We're also a business owner of Jimbaroo, Developmental Educational Centre for Children. So we've got our hands in a lot of pies, but our ethos is that it fits around family, that we care about people, that we create community. And I guess that the most important component mixed in with all of this, and many people would say family is the most important, and that's correct, for us, the second and best one is the permaculture world that we live in. And this is how we've always lived in a permaculture world. When I did permaculture, one of the things that I learned was that you just need a plot in the backyard, and that's a great place to start. And I know you were just talking about that before. That's but right. You don't need a farm. Can you just talk a little about that, how you found that? Well, it's interesting. We didn't actually found it. It found us. So what happened was I'm English and my husband's Welsh, and so we grew up in England and our grandparents were in the war days. So we learned from them because they had vegetable gardens in the backyard and they were very clever and thrifty with everything they had. 
you know, like collecting cardboard and using it on the fire and different things like that. So we were already quite familiar with it from our childhood days. And then what happened was we moved here to Australia in Orange. Having so many children, it's quite expensive bringing out children. So we mm. had to be smarter with, you know, how we managed our home, make sure our children were fed well and looked after. So what we did was, we, as you said, you don't need a farm to do permaculture. You can do, actually, you, you can have a balcony and do permaculture. Yeah. Because permaculture is not just about the garden. Permaculture is about your whole environment. So the three ethics for permaculture are care of people, the care of nature, and fair share. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's not be greedy. Let's share things around. Anyway, getting back to our home, so at home I used to make a lot of our children's clothes. It was much, much cheaper mm. to do and I learnt that from my grandparents and how to use a machine and my mum. And then we would grow a lot of our food because it was way, way cheaper to buy, yes. way, way cheaper to grow your own food. And then you know what? Then you've got the offset on and going on with that is that if it goes to seed and you can't eat it all, guess what? You've just got your next batch of food for next year because you seed yeah. saved which is something that we do. So we're always continuing on with how to do things and make sure that whatever we use, we can use it again in another way. So the home became a beautiful garden. It was beautiful. There was trees, fruit trees, nut trees. It was all over the place. There was a vegetable garden there, but it didn't matter. Sometimes if seeds flew into another area and they grew, so be it, because that's free food. We don't have to pay for that. That's great. We love it. So we left it there. Anyway, um, council asked us if we'd do an open day at our home. And so we said, well, it was council with Rotary, I think it was, an open day garden. So we said, yeah, sure. So we let all these people come in and go through and, you know, walked them around the garden and spoke about the gardens. And this chap came in and he, he kicked the compost heap and he turned around and goes, this is a really nice permaculture garden, isn't it? And I went, permaculture? He said, yeah, it's a permaculture garden. I went, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just went with it. So both of them and I looked at each other and went, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is permaculture. And then when we, when everyone had left, we jumped onto the computer and had a look. Oh, permaculture. It is, it is permaculture. <laughs> yeah. So it found us. And I know that you have written a couple of books aimed at children on permaculture. Could you just describe them, how you've gone about that and what gave you the idea for the permaculture books? Okay, um, well, I didn't actually plan to write the books again. Again, I, I, I've got a very good friend, Paul Smith, he's a psychologist, and he said, Fiona, you've got so many stories to tell, you have to share your life with people. So that made us, Paul and I, get our heads together and we wrote our first book, which was called Growing Great Families. And the Growing Great Families, just we share information with you and in there's a bit of permaculture stuff as well, but it's about the whole family unit. It's about your partnerships. It's about how you organise your home. It's about how you look after your children. It's about what you do with your children. It's about food, like it's about gardening. It's the whole whole package. So that book called Growing Great Families got some lovely quizzes in the back of it to try and get people interested and enjoying the journey because it is a journey. Permaculture is a journey. It's a bit like the raspberries being put in and then they end up in this big mass and then you get more and more and more. And it's the same with people with permaculture now. I'm finding more and more and more people are getting excited about it because it's so easy to do. It's affordable. The food tastes so yummy. Even our little boy, he was out picking cherry tomatoes and he said, Mum, and he's eating half of them, Um, and he said, Mum, we've got the best garden in the world, haven't yeah. we? <laughs> that was from a child. Yes. And I yes. went, yeah, we have. Yeah. 
for in his eyes we have. So that's what permaculture will do for you too. It will provide for you and it will give you some surprises too because mm. the birds come in to visit and they do their bit and the ducks do their bit and this tree will pop up and that will pop up, the tomatoes will pop up over there from the compost that you've been using. And so it's not planned. It's not, it's it's not, not planned. Yeah. And you know what's so special mm. about this and you can never buy this is that it's free. Yeah. It's free food mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's either us composting or the animals and nature doing its thing and propagating and helping those things grow. So that first book I did was called Growing Great Families. We have it here at the cafe if anyone's um, wanting. We've actually got all the books at the cafe for sale. But the second book then was, uh, it's called Fip as well, and it's one of a series of six. So there's six characters, and the first character is called Fipper. He's a frog. He's a yellow-spotted green frog, a tree frog, sorry, yellow-spotted tree frog. And Fipper is actually a protected species. So our boy, our youngest boy, Tristan, him and I, when he was younger, we used to go on many adventures at the property. So we also have a property where we're building a permaculture educational centre. So him and I were out there and we'd often go down to the dam and we would find frogs out there. But the story, it's actually based on a true story with a bit of a twist to it. We found the frog in the pond, and it is a chlorine pond. We wanted to move it to a safe place. And interestingly, just here at the cafe, we built a frog habitat mm-hmm. area to bring the frogs in because there's lots of frogs around this area. It's a low area with mm-hmm. lots of water. So we brought Fipper down. We brought the frog down here, and then we started playing. And we're sitting on the green chair near the pond, and we're talking. And we said, "Hey, let's just make up a story." And we made up this story, which is in this book. I won't tell you about the story in the book because that will take away from it. Because it really is a good a good story to read. And what's happened here locally in Orange too is the schools now have taken the book and they've actually added it into their curriculum. Like schools, they've purchased it. It's in the curriculum because they said they can't find books regarding nature, permaculture, food, specifically for children. Just staying on permaculture, just for the moment, um, I wonder how much permaculture has inspired you and your husband as restaurateurs and cafe owners? It's uh, It's been very exciting for us because when we first found this place, what we started with was a cafe and it was a very, very small cafe. Um, and we know that if you're going to invest... It's, you're better off to invest, invest in your own family than invest in, you know, a landlord or, or somebody else's business and have your family gain from it in the long run as far as finances are concerned. And there is a financial component in that book as well. So what we thought was we were leasing the front end of the cafe and we went, this is crazy, this is a beautiful big place, there's a home attached to this, there's massive gardens. Why don't, why don't we create what we did at home? Mm-hmm. Why don't we turn this place into a permaculture centre now that we know what the word permaculture is? Yes. And let's make it a zero-mile diet place as well. So that means that we don't have to put emissions to the um, universe by having to hop in the car and go down to the supermarket. We can just walk outside and pick our herbs, the spices, our citruses, our fruit, our nuts. It's all there. Yeah, we, we spoke with the owners of the place and they loved what we were doing and a bit of a handshake, you know, the old-fashioned handshake and we purchased the place and slowly and progressively as we grew the business and um, money became available, we did a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more and we only did what we could afford because it was very important. Again, when you're running a business, you don't want to blow the budget. Yeah. So as we did that, we noticed that more people were coming in and very interested in what we were doing. And just the fact that they get to sample bits of food here and there was nice. And we could t- and we told them stories too about what was happening. 
I guess I've got to give credit to also to willing workers on organic farms. It's called Woofing. Mm-hmm. We've had 450 international volunteers come and stay with us and help us to create this place. So they deserve a you know clap and a lot of credit there because we would have been lost without them too. But again, this is about permaculture world. So do we trade or do we pay? So permaculture likes trade. Permaculture also likes recycling. Somebody might come in with a big bag full of tomatoes and say, look, I've got too many. Can you guys do something with it? And we'll go, yes, thanks very much. And we'll make them a jar of pickles as well and and give them a coffee as well. It's, it's trading. It's a really nice way to do things. And I think, do you know what? In this world that we live in now, it's become so no one communicates as well as what yeah, they yeah. used to. Yep, yep. The amazing thing about permaculture is you do have to communicate because you're working on the land. Yeah. And it's all well and good selling, sending a Snapchat or a picture or whatever, but you actually have to communicate with people. You have to get yeah. your hands dirty. Yep. You know, you have to watch what's going on. So it's a really nice way of connecting with people. And people come in and they go, this is like, it's such a homely environment, isn't it? And I mm. go, you think? And they go, yeah. And I go, beautiful, because that's exactly what we wanted. We want people to feel comfortable, familiar. And you know what? The other thing we like about our place too is that people can come in in their shorts and sing what's up, or they can come in in their suit and tie. It's that sort of place. It's right. welcoming to everyone. It's got a wonderful feel to it. Mm. For visitors to Orange, if they want to pop into Bissy's Cafe, but can you just give them the, the address? Yeah, we, so we live on the corner of Warrandine and Anson Street, and the address is 88 Warrandine Street. So if you put in your GPS, it will bring you here. Yeah, and when you arrive, there's also a lo- some lovely green space around here as well. So you've got cafe space. We allow, we allow people to bring their dogs in with them because that's part of some people's family. You know, that's their family. It's child-friendly at the back. There's a beautiful children's area. There's children's stuff inside the cafe too, but mostly they like to run around the garden and have a look and <laughs> see if they can find lady beetles and the butterflies come in and the bees come in. So kids too. And, they, yeah, and we've got some like nature-based play activities out the back there. So we were put, do it paving the, uh, one of the walkways and I put it in so it looks like a hopscotch and you'd be surprised how many parents, grown-ups, Come in and do that hopscotch. Uh-huh. And we've got, um, well, it depends on what you call it, noughts and crosses or tic-tac-toe. Mm. So we've got some garden beds set up again with a, a big paver in it. And we use the milk cartons. You've got the yellow lids and the blue lids. Yes, yes. So we use them as your noughts and crosses. Fantastic. Recycling. Yep. Yeah. And in the in exactly where, where we're sitting here now, there's a big bookcase here and it's full of uh, books some of those books we've brought down, and what's happened is people now will come in and do a book exchange or they'll have some books they want to get rid of and they go, hey, can you take these books? Do you want these books? And people actually sit here and read their books, read the books, and they're allowed to take them with them if they want. And you haven't even mentioned the great coffee and food yet. Oh. Uh, uh, oh. Drink, I'm drinking coffee at the moment, <laughs> listeners. It's, it's, it's amazing. Well, yeah, so, okay. The, so the, the coffee is – it's a, a bay coffee that we get from Neutral Bay. It's just delightful. It's quite quite a sm- smooth on the palate. So that's our coffee. But we also now have got into Bircher Bar, so we're, which is like a latte. You mix it in with a latte and it's got herbs in it and it's got medicinal properties to it as well. We also cook pretty much all of our food here, even our burgers we make ourselves, our spinach and ricotta rolls. So it's produce that we grow here at the cafe. Whatever's in is what we cook, and then we'll put some specials. So we've just we've just pulled a, a massive heap of Jerusalem artichoke and kale. So we've done two beautiful new soups now with those products. 
So they go up onto the specials board. So we work with the seasons. We've got some delightful rhubarb cordial. Mm-hmm. Um, we've even tried to make some rhubarb champagne. Our olives we've pickled. So, yeah, the food here, if you want real food, if you want great-tasting food, if you want no preservatives. I might stay for lunch. <laughs> Fiona, that sounds fantastic, and uh, I totally recommend this cafe listeners. I'd just like to pick up on a point that you were making just then about recycling. In our first base special, recycling special episode, we looked at China's decision to stop taking Australia's waste and how much of a problem that was. Uh, It was just a news item for me. Mm. And I thought, oh, you know, okay. But now I realise, talking to councillors, talking to people that were close to that, how much of a crisis, and I don't think I'm overstating it, how much of a crisis it is has become now. I'm I'm a little bit shocked that we're actually sending our waste to China. That really did surprise me. Mm. Because we can deal with this here. We could, we could make our soil so fertile, the environment so happy, nature. That's exactly what we're looking at. We've, in talking to people, we've, we've, we've also heard that, look, there's opportunities here. Talk a little bit more about returning that to the soil. Oh, have you, oh, oh, we do so much here yeah. and at home and on our property, and we've actually now got a partnership with the farmers' markets as well um, regarding waste because we hate waste. We hate giving away things and then having to pay for them back. So I guess when I say that, we've, Council's given us three bins. There's a red, yellow and a green. So the yellow top one is for recycled waste, and it's only a small bin. They're not very generous with us. We've just got one single little yellow bin, business, and so they gave us a green bin as well. So they gave us the green bin, and this is where I think council could probably be really active, is that they gave us a green bin and said, here's your bin. It's, I think it's around about $60 per quarter. You'll pay for that, and we'll pick up your green waste. And we went, you can take our green bin back because we don't use it mm. and can we get reimbursed the $60 that you're taking okay. off us yep. because we're doing the right thing mm. and this, because this is an initiative that you've started, council. No, you can't have your money back and we'll take the green bin. Oh. So today, I said my husband and I were talking about it's about $500 we've wasted on paying for a green bin that we don't have. Yes. Now, if there was a councillor out there in any council, this would be a really, really good initiative to move forward with. Because what you'll do is, what you'll see is people will take on the initiative of not giving away the green waste because what happens with that green waste that goes away is that council will, they do their thing with it and then it gets sold on as green waste. Mm -hmm. So why would you give away, why would you pay to have a green bin, give it to council, they then make money on it and then if you want it back, you've got to purchase it. Or if you want to get wood chip or anything, you've got to pay council for a trailer load of that to get it back. You're paying twice. It's crazy. Yeah. It's the same with the water system that we have here. So anyway, that's my that's my fight and hope one day that they'll go, wow, that's a good idea. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. And then we can reduce our our costs because um, they will. And then people in the environment will then learn, you know, can then do the composting themselves on the garden. You don't actually need a garden to put your compost on. If you've got nowhere to put it, just start on the grass in the garden. It will break down. The nutrients from that will go into the soil. And the root system underneath will go, thank you very much for my vitamin fix. Yes. And you will receive back. It's a given. It's the most effective form of recycling, isn't it? Because what happens with that too is that soil building, it will eventually turn into soil. When it breaks down, all that compost breaks down, all that product waste breaks down, it becomes soil. 
So we add the back here. We've got a three three section area for our composting. So the fresh goes into the number one, and then we toss it for a while because we want the aerobics going, the air going through it as well to help with the breakdown. And the um, worms come into it, and then when it breaks down, and it's sort of like between a soil and a compost, we put it into number two again. We give it a bit mm-hmm. of a stir, and then we'll throw some brown waste in there as well. Mm-hmm. And then once once we give that a bit of a dig too, we can see underneath it's actually become soil. So we put it into the soil section on the end. We use the soil section for potting our plants and the number two one we'll use for composting. Okay. And it's free. Climactic is happy to announce that both Rich and Mark brushed their teeth this morning. But we felt a little bit bad about it. Plastic toothbrushes can't be recycled and every single one that we've both owned, they still exist. We wanted to find a better way and luckily we did. We're happy to be able to tell you about Big Little Brush the little brush that's making a big impact. Based in Melbourne, this social enterprise makes bamboo toothbrushes with the best currently available nylon for bristles. Sells them to eco-conscious people like us, but then does a lot more. They work with organizations that run primary health programs in remote indigenous communities in Australia, supplying them with funding and toothbrushes. So give your brushing an ethical upgrade. Vote with your dollars for better outcomes for real people. Get a 10% discount for a 100% better brush at biglittlebrush.org slash discount slash climactic. Thank you so much, and happy brushing. Just listening to what you're saying, it sounds like you're calling for a total rethink of oh. recycling of waste in Australia. Absolutely. I'll tell you some other things that we do too, because mm. like... So here at the cafe, we, any food waste goes into our composting system or the ducks will eat it. So the ducks are really happy and they give us lots of beautiful eggs, lovely strong shells on them. The eggshells, we save them, we put them into, into a container, let them dry and then we crush them mm-hmm. and we'll either put them into the compost or put them on the ground if we don't want insects like snails and slugs coming in. Mm-hmm. So we use it for that. And the You've same got, with got the ducks to keep the snails down anyway. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they love it. And then we've got the coffee tamper. The milk cartons, unfortunately, no one's doing anything with that one at the, at the moment. That should they the milk carton should be a ten cent one of those ten cent ones as well. Mm-hmm. But the government's not doing that. However, we've got some really smart people um, like Shay, who was at PCYC. She was she looked after children there. Anyway, they collected up milk cartons and they made this and they, our asked us if they can have all our milk cartons and we collected them all up for them. And they made this amazing igloo and the kids played in it for ages. We've got mm-hmm. pictures of it. That's smart thinking. That's a really cheap toy for children to play with. And, and as she said, the children played for quite some time with the igloo that they made. And they're learning, aren't they? They're yeah. learning all the time. Yep. Where's this come from and how's it been recycled, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's just so important. Yeah, and also the physical activity. You know, you've got your high eye-hand coordination, you've got your fine motor skills working, your major motor skills working, great physical benefit. If your body's physical and working well, what happens to the mind? You've got a healthy mind. Because this is what's happening in this world that we've got now. It's so it's so busy and so controlled and so harsh that there's a massive increase on mental health issues. Yes. Yeah. So what we can do and what we plan to do at Cargo is bring people out to the educational centre and lift lift that heavy burden that's sitting on people's shoulders' heads um, with what's happening in the world now. It's mm-hmm. become... Like even, I meant to, I've got to say this, even the climate change, like people are using the word climate change, climate change, and it is, it's not good what's happening. So why are we doing, let's not do scaremongering, let's do 
make it happy, make it nice, bring people and, they, you know, let people know and they will come. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what Jeff Lawton, Jeff Lawton was my PDC teacher, my mm-hmm. permaculture teacher, and he said, Fiona, go quietly, quietly, do what you're doing, tell everyone about it, he says, and watch what happens. He's an international guru. He works all over the world doing permaculture. He works in um, third world countries, a war-torn country, I believe, he worked in as well. He said that was devastating. And he's actually greening the desert in Jordan. He's actually now endorsed us to build our permaculture centre at Cargo. But he says, you know, get people engaged and enjoying and the adventures. You know, I planted my carrots today. And guess what? This beautiful, beautiful, beautiful blue butterfly came in and sat there. How does that make you feel? Wow. Mm. And then you just want to stop and watch it fly. Yeah, and you can't do that if you're concentrating on screen and scrolling no. and, and no. whatever. I can't talk. I'm as bad as anyone else. It's always <laughs> on the computer screen. Terrible. It's the way of the world, though. That's the thing. But if we make time out, especially in the schools too, if you make time out or in the business, in the workplace, there's some organisation, I think China's actually doing it, I thought I saw somewhere, where people have to stop and go into the garden environment. They're actually put into buildings. Mm. So that's interesting. I sort of wonder how the plants work with the um, light system as opposed to the sun. The coffee tamper, we use, we'll either use that on the garden or we'll use that in the compost area. We can use it to, to one or two ways. The milk cartons, I've mentioned to you about the project. Ice cream containers. Now, we do we wash ours because that's how the ice cream comes in containers, unfortunately. So the ice cream containers, we use the base of them for because we're doing lots of propagation at the moment. It's much much cheaper to do your own propagation than go and purchase a tree for fourteen to twenty two dollars. Yeah, yeah, your big white ones. Mm. So what we do because we've got limited water at the property, we actually our trees we put into the ice cream in the pot into the ice cream container, and you fill it with water. Now that can last that plant. Maybe five, six days. Do you need to put drainage holes? No. No. Okay. No, not in the – so the pot – so you, put, you have to put the plant into a pot. The pot's no. got the drainage holes on it, so it will only draw up what it wants out of that water. Ah, oh, gotcha. That's yeah. Cool. And so that's how we've been really successful with getting lots of trees for the property because that's what we do. And the ice cream containers are used for that. Now, they will break down eventually and crack, so then we have to dispose of them unfortunately, yeah, to the tip, unfortunately. And then the lids are really good – when we do children's activities because we use them to put the paint on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the egg cartons, leftover egg cartons, we'll either use them f- for flower pots, fill them with soil because you can cut them up and put them straight into the ground because mm-hmm. they will break down. Yes. Um, if we're doing children's activity, we've got ricotta cases. So we have been doing courses here and so ricotta is one of the cheeses that they make. Mm-hmm. So I just, here guys, take that with you. Here's wow. all these free, we wash them um, through, the wash, through the dishwasher. So we give them away and all. Oh, they actually make nice baskets too. We've got baskets hanging out the back here, but you can use them again as, as part of your propagation depending on what plants that you're growing. So um, you recycle just about everything. Yeah. About everything. Quite some time ago, council actually came in here and said, look, what are you guys doing with all your waste? <laughs> you don't seem to be getting, you know, what's going on? Yes. And so, you know, we said to them, we told them all about it. The newspapers, once we finish the newspapers, there's a box down the back. Yes. The newspapers, will either we use them here when we do a mulch or we'll use them at the property for a mulch. Plastic bags, unfortunately, <laughs> I use as many cloth bags as I can, but on the odd occasion we'll get a plastic bag. So we put them out the front, and if somebody's got a big order, we'll actually give them that plastic bag to take. Mm. It'd be nice to have the cloth bags. I'd like to get those boomerang bags in here yes, um, yeah. and use them because I think that's a really good a good way. The rock wall out the back, see that rock wall out there? It's yes. pretty magnificent. 
for us to purchase that, it would have cost us $24,000, which is a lot of money. Three, four big units to it. So what we did was we had to think smart. There's a lovely guy in town. He owns a printing business and he contacted us and, and said, look, I've built mine out of plastic bags. Do you want me to show you how to do it? Yes, please. Yes. We got WeatherTechs, wire, moulded it, moulded the wire, jammed in the plastic bags. So that's all? It's all plastic bags. That's plastic and bags. And wire. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Just it looks- describing the, the rock wall from where we are, listeners, and it looks like a rock wall, but you say it made of plastic bags. Plastic bags, wire, and WeatherTechs. Oh. And, and a bit of expanding foam. And some colour. We sprayed some colour onto it. So we had to leave it for a little while before we put the fish in to the pond to make sure we got rid of all the oxidising stuff. And then now it just runs beautifully and we've actually got plants growing out because we made little pockets as well. So it's got plants growing out of it. And there's more. There's more. On the back of it... On the back of it is um, there's pipe in there, and so it's a reticulating system, and the dirty fish poo water goes up into the pipes, and then the plants are growing. They're not at the moment because it's cold, because it's lettuce in there. The lettuce plants and the celery Mm. grow out of that, thanks to the nutrients that are in the water, and then the fish go, thank you very much. We've now got clean water again. So it's a whole whole system. And keeping all those plastic bags out of the oceans and fish are now... Marine and, animals would, would, would love us for that. That's an incredible thing. And do you know how much it cost us? So 24000 if we had a purchase at all, mm-hmm. it actually cost us $1,400 to do. And the 1000 part of that was actually for the framework. So really for the actual wall itself, it's $400. And as you can see, it's quite, quite big. It's probably about, I don't know, four, four metres by maybe five metres by four metres. It's quite big because it goes around the back there as right, well. Okay, yeah. So you can recycle yeah. plastic. It's just a matter of thinking it through and just coming up with ideas. It took, you know, it took a couple of weeks to do. And we used to go to Woolies <laughs> and get their bags, their plastic bags. And all of our customers, we asked them if they've got plastic bags they want to get rid of. So everyone was bringing in plastic bags. It was a really good outcome. And it was, you know, not only for the rock wall itself, but also that social component, you know, the community building, the new friendships that were made. Mm. So, you know, in, as a holistic, it's got so many good components to it. So there's the rock hall, the newspapers, the animal, the bed, animal beds, the ducks, when we change their beds. Again, that goes into the compost system. You know, you'll get, and this is where you'll get your free things from because the ducks and chickens and birds and stuff will eat things. And we do talk about pill bit in permaculture because that's, mm-hmm. that's very much part of the system. Yep. Um, so, yeah, from that you'll get seeds popping up that the animals have eaten and they'll pop it up and it'll grow. We use reusable cups. We ask customers if they if you bring in your own cup, mm-hmm. we'll reduce your co- your coffee cost. Okay. Yep. So uh, reusable costs, co- coffee cups, grey water waste, we can't use it here in the cafe because it's got to go through the system. They've got a grease trap, mm-hmm. so it's got to go through that. But at home and at the property, any grey water we get, we just throw it onto the gardens. Seed saving, which is another thing. If we've got food and it goes to waste uh, or, gar- or plants in the garden, let them go to seed. We collect the seeds and then there's our, our products for next year. The book exchange, as I said to you, let's not throw them out. Let's share them around with people. Mm-hmm. If they want to take them, they can take them. And this is the sort of thing that would be quite easy for everyone to do. Yes. Like even at home, you know, your clips that are on your, your bread container, bread bags, Yes, you know, you could use them on things that you're doing in the garden. The ties from the straw bales, 
I save them and I use them for rope when I'm work, when we're working mm-hmm. in the garden. If I can find a use for something, I've got all this tin or I've got this roost stuff or I've got this, do you want it? And I straight away go, yeah. And he goes, where are you going to use that? And I said, you watch, we'll use it. And we wow. do. We'll find a way to use it. Out the back, a lot of our fencing and that area over where the rock wall is, it's got the pond underneath, all of that's been built from pallets. Our pathway, our brick pathway down here, there's a beautiful brick pathway out where the Alfresco Garden is. That, all of those, pretty much most of those bricks come from when we did the renovations in here and we just cleaned them all off and used them in the path. If you, if you ever do get time, I think the next book should be on recycling. It's, it's I love. One of the things that we found, though, was just you know, talking to, to councillors and they're saying things such as we're under so much pressure, we don't know what can do kind of thing with the Chinese decision not to take our recycling. And given us you know, three or four options here that councillors can take and say, well, mm. we can use that rock ball idea and put plastics in and then become an example for other councillors mm. to come in and say, well, this looks good. And, and, that, and that's a really good point, Rich, because you know what? They're already doing that and they maybe just need to reflect on what they've already done. Mm. So the tyres, they use tyres now. I know this because when I was on council, this is what this is this is one of the projects for our at Lake Knobbus is a sanctuary out there. And they use the tyres, reprocess them and turn them into tables and chairs and walkways mm. and boards. So they're already doing it. They they need to probably have more confidence in themselves. Maybe it was just in, laziness uh, yeah. over the years, yeah. Yeah, if you put it out there, it will happen. But you've got to have your heart in it and you've really got to be true to yourself and to your community in this is what you want to do. As I said, like you've seen here, like we have very little waste here. This is a small business. We do a really good trade. We're open seven days a week. Mm-hmm. If council wanted to maybe even take up an initiative, they could they could start with small businesses, but I think even homes would take this on. Mm. What we find is people come in here, and it happens to us too, it's all humans, um, if you don't know about something, it's easy, if you don't know about something, then you can't learn about it. But if you see something and you ask questions and you want to learn and you engage, you can go away. It's got a limit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you can go and do all this stuff yourself. What's the first thing you would say to do to improve sustainability, reduce carbon footprint? For a person in the household. Plant, trees, vegetables, vines, everywhere you can in your garden. Forget the manicured garden. Okay. Forget the the front lawn. Oh, Mm. why would you bother? Yes. That's using fossil fuels. You've got to mow it. You've got to work on your day off because you've got to mow it. Mm. Um, You've got to pay for that petrol. Why bother? Why don't you just plant trees, make your gardens in your – like even our garden at home – the front part of it, because we've got a few children that actually park in the front yard now, so we've put down a layer so the grass doesn't come through because we don't want to cut the grass. So we've put a layer down and the cars can park there, but in all the gardens that are around, you'll find lemon trees, herbs, strawberries, passion fruits, you name it. And you can, you know what's beautiful about that too, if you have got children, or even just for us adults as well, I can go out in the garden and I can pick fruit that was me this morning i was at home feeding the ducks and i went wow i'm going to grab that pomegranate because they are so yummy that's the most beautiful pomegranate listeners and so you i'm going to eat that later on today and i couldn't do that if i had a manicured garden with pretty flowers and trees don't get me wrong we need them Mm. we do need them yes um to get the bees and all the essential insects into the garden i don't know about you but for me i like food and if i can get it 
free and plentiful. And you know what, if I end up with too much of it, I can share it with you and and other people. Um, What a good feeling that is. And listen to you talking too. How did that make you feel knowing that you'd created or you'd helped them grow? Unbelievable. And with a young family at the time, feeding them with organic food that I've grown with my own Mm. hands and watching them, uh, taking my young son out and helping me to pick the pea pods and snap them. It was just a great feeling. Yeah, it's an amazing, Mm. amazing feeling. And no one can dictate to you. Mm. This is what I love about film culture too. It's your world. So no one can control you because the world is very socialised and very controlled and I think the permaculture world will open up that other 80% for us or is opening up that other 80% for us because I talk to people to people about different things and I go, how did you know that? Like how did you work that out? My husband says to me, your mind is amazing, Fiona. You can just do stuff with it and I love actually just sitting on my own sometimes and looking into the future in my mind. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Mm. You've got to get your herbs in because if you cook with herbs straight from your garden, you are, it's like going to a high-end restaurant. Mm. The flavours are just amazing. And be a bit creative too. Don't just stick with, you know, what the recipe says. I never follow a recipe. Yeah. I just make my own stuff up. I look in the fridge and cupboards and go, what's there? Ugh, throw it all together. And one of, um, one of my boys says to mum, I love it when you cook your food. Your meal's just, you know. I mean, everyone cooks good meal, meals. Paul does all the cooking here and he does sensational food. Yes. So play with what the environment's got for you. But So with permaculture, you know, you've got your zone. So zone one is the foods that you use a lot of. So that would be your herbs. Mm. Here we've got our citruses. Um, so we've got a big lemon tree out here. We're just about to go and pick some because we do um, tempura fish. So we want to use the lemons on the tempura fish meal. And then whenever we've got the fruit and the tomatoes, like what you do with yours, you know, you can make up pickles. Or your mum, sorry. Your mum makes jams. Yes. So we do that. If we get an abundance of them, we will either turn them into a jam or this is another great thing we are pretty excited about, was that we actually collect our berries. And if we get too many, we start freezing them, put them into pouches and freeze them. And then, you know, a little while back there was um, a recall on some berries that one company yeah, was, had yeah. berries and they weren't mm. bad. They, they had to recall them all. And uh, I remember our children going, Mum, Dad, you know, they've done a recall on berries. And we went, yeah, doesn't bother us. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our own and we know they're clean. Fiona, this is an inspiration. Listeners, I'm, I'm writing down as, as we speak uh, the ideas that you're coming up with and uh, I can't keep up. Um, <laughs> I'll catch up later on. We do have possibly another interview coming up, which will be very special. Well, hopefully, if we can get time, we'll go out to your Permaculture Institute mm. and take uh, listeners through a walk through that. So we'll, we'll work out that. This has been amazing. It's been more than an interview. It's been inspirational. It's been really good. Oh, thank you. Anything, <laughs> anything you'd like to add to finish up? We'll put all the the links in the show notes. Okay. Uh, books and the cafe and the institute. Mm-hmm. But is there anything else you'd like to finish up with? Oh, uh, look. Anyone can do this, and, you you know, I think for some people they say that they're time poor, but it doesn't take much to plant a seed. Yes. It doesn't take much to plant a tree. So I think, importantly, set yourself a time. Give give this to you as a gift because nature, nature will give that gift back to you in more ways than you'll ever imagine. But I suppose the most important thing for myself is, and Paul here, if you want to talk to us, if you want to know, if you want to learn, let us know because I'm happy to come and speak to groups. I'm happy to inspire people because 
it's very it's very easy to do. It's very rewarding. Uh, the other thing is too. Every Saturday morning of late, we've been doing a live too. So we've been showing people around the cafe. Okay. I'm not great with it because I can't get the. I'm not very coordinated with the fun. <laughs> so, but, but but anyway, we've done three so far here. Three Saturdays. The volume we have an issue with. Okay. Um, Anyway, we'll work it out. But you Facebook Live. Yeah, Facebook Live. Uh, my co-host Mark, if you're listening, is very good with that. So we'll get some. Oh, I'd love to hear I'll, Mark. I'll bring you that. Yeah. Yeah, because there's been a lot of interest, and we've we've actually surprised ourselves because we started with I don't know two two hundred people, two hundred and seventy like viewing it in the first one, and now we're up to like ten thousand something like that, and we just went. Oh, wow. We better, you know, start getting a little bit more serious with it. And we've had some beautiful people out there too who have been watching our lives and made suggestions. One chap said, you know, when you start your live, have a board telling us what you're going to talk about. So we've got to purchase the board and we did that with the last one. Mm. And, you know, so so as I said, it's not just about us learning. It's It's not just about people learning. We learn from people and we love feedback. So it's a lovely community feel. Yeah. And, you know, Council, if you're listening. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you once again, Fiona. I've taken a lot of your time and it's been oh, it's been fascinating. It really has. Well I want to thank you too for your time out. I mean this is an uh, this is an incredible opportunity that you guys are giving to people to be able to learn how to make a better life for themselves. So big tick to you guys. Thank you very much, Fiona. <laughs> thank you again. Okay, that was the remarkable Fiona Rossiter, interviewed at Bissy's Permaculture Cafe in Orange. Mark? I was really focused a lot on the fact that hospitality can actually be a regenerative mm-hmm. industry. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I, I worked at a restaurant during the day. It's, that's my day job. And the business as usual practices we have there are tough to handle if you're really thinking about what their climate impacts are. Yeah, it's it's the amount of single use plastic we've got. You know, these little plastic cups for tomato sauce. We we use them for ten seconds for someone's chips, and then they go in the landfill yeah, forever. <laughs> it's it's the kilos and kilos of food and organic waste going to landfill every day just from us. That's just one restaurant, and we got thousands of those restaurants all over the country, much less the world. And people who get takeaway cups when they're just sitting down and reading the paper, like a takeaway cup, just get a cup. <laughs> And sit down and enjoy the paper and just drink your coffee without creating a cup that's going to exist okay, forever. Okay, Mark, calm down. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> deep deep breath. Uh, that deep one, <laughs> sorry, sorry. That that one really, really gets me. Um, but there's no such problems nope. at Busy's, though. You know, they use organics instead of throwing them out. They help backyard growers and they have too much produce on their own to actually make it into something they can use. I think my takeaway, Rich, is that I just really want to go work at Busy's. I think it's better for my mental health. Yeah, well, the food and coffee's great too, Mark, and you won't believe the atmosphere. It's amazing. But ask if you can get a quick tour of the mini farm out the back. That's really special. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the walking tour that you record, you know, in future, getting a, a tour of the mini farm. That'd be great. Or the video. <laughs> <laughs> and ask to see the stone wall. Oh, absolutely. Don't forget that. Fantastic. All right. That was a great episode, guys. We've got some thank yous to get through now. Our producer, Caleb Fidicaro, thank you for the long hours and the greatly needed help you gave me. Thank you for that. Abby Hawkins, your ongoing assistance and patience with my design process and competence. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
Check out Abby and hire her, folks. Honestly, you won't regret it at abigailhawkins.com. And thank you, Gretchen. Good luck with the kitchen. Thank you, Greg Grouty, for the great theme. He's at Chambers, C-H-A-M-B-R-E-S, on SoundCloud. And he's got some great music there. And I'd like to extend a special thank you to Bill Parker for his time this week talking about the future roadmap for Climact. It was really helpful. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for taking your time. It was early in the morning. Too early. <laughs> early stuff. There was a little too early. In, in. And if we have any non-profit accountants or digital frontier lawyers listening... Look, we'd love to have a word with you. These are all new words to us as well, so if we're saying them wrong, that's why we really need the help. And thank you, folks. Thank you for your time and your involvement, and uh, we wish you the very best week ahead. Aren't podcasts great? You can listen to them on your commute, when you're walking the dog, even when you're brushing your teeth. And speaking of brushing your teeth, thanks again to our friends at Big Little Brush. They want to help you give your toothbrushing routine an ethical upgrade. Just head to biglittlebrush.org slash discount slash climactic. And at checkout, you'll automatically get 10% off a 100% better brush. Big Little Brush. The little brush doing big things. The Climactic Collective. This show is produced by Hear Media, a boutique audio agency in Narm, Melbourne. To learn more and get in touch, head to hearmedia.studio. That's H-E-R-E media.studio.